This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Myth. You've waited patiently all day. All week. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. Whistling inside with a two-hand flush. To college. Just wait until March, bro. To the pros. 75 yards by Monty Williams. Uh, I always do that. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. Freaking gorgeous day. Sun is shining. Hope you had a chance to enjoy the weather. It was 21 degrees outside a year ago today in this town. Ridiculous. Record-setting temperatures. Everyone complains about global warming until days like this. February days like this. Nobody's got a problem with it. Welcome into the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. We've got some great news. All right? We want to start the show... With a round of applause, welcoming, welcoming back the one and only John Vicari. John, I was super excited for you to come back until I started driving into work today and I realized something. First of all, welcome back. Sure. Second of all, I hope you enjoyed your little cruise. You came back with a nice little <laughs> tan and rubbed it in all, all of our faces. Yes. But I realized something on my way into work today. Uh-oh. And it has to do with you. And every time you leave. You leave, and the Red Wings win five straight games. Okay? It's facts. You leave, and Michigan wins a national championship. <laughs> you leave, and the Lions win a ton of games in a row. You come back. John, I'm just going to warn you right now. If the Red Wings lose tonight, I am blaming you. Wow. I I think you could bring some bad voodoo with you. I might. I might. Not intentional, though. I think it's the New York stuff. I mean, even look what happened last night. We're going to get to the stuff in the Pistons game. Monty Williams finally showed a little bit of emotion. <laughs> Brad Holmes has a new approach to the offseason that I just can't understand why any other team doesn't take. But I'm convinced, and if the Red Wings lose tonight, it is confirmation. I'm confirmation. convinced that you bring that bad voodoo, and every time you leave... Our teams start winning again. I've had enough of it. So would it be a double jinx if Red Wings money lines my lock of the day? Would, oh that, be, would that be even worse, Ben? <laughs> if, if, if I just double down? You can put this narrative to bed. And we'll, and <laughs> we'll never have to deal with it ever again. However, if you bet on this Red Wings team, make it your lock of the day, okay. and then they lose. So I might just do You just might for... have to take a vacation every other week. <laughs> every big game, you might just have to take off, and I might just have to do a solo show that week. Ben, if you're willing, I'm I'm able, man. You buy it, I'm there. Uh, send me wherever you want. We'll send you back to New York before <laughs> send, we send, send you send anywhere. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, let's talk about that game last night. Sure. Monty Williams, who many know I have great respect for. You got a wrong buzzer in there? Yeah. <laughs> Don't love the nah. guy. Yeah. Don't love the guy. Um, <laughs> but yesterday, he did finally start to show some emotion. There was a controversial end to the Pistons game last night. And listen, we buried the Pistons last week. We wore all black. We put them in the grave, poured dirt all over them, and then spit on it. But something happened last night that's taking national headlines. In fact, we have worldwide leaders in sports on the TV above our heads, and they're, in fact, 
talking about the Detroit Pistons taking on John's New York Knicks and how the game ended. Now, if you don't know how the game ended, we'll explain, or we can just show you or let you listen to Monty Williams' entire press conference yesterday. Usually they go about seven, eight, nine minutes. We're going to play the entire thing because it went under 60 seconds. Here here you go. Where's the New York media now? The absolute worst call of the season. No call. And enough's enough. We've we've done it the right way. We've called the league. We've sent in clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. We had a chance to win the game, and the guy dove into Asar's legs, and there was a no call. That's an abomination. You cannot miss that in an NBA game, period. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of our guys asking me, what more can we do, coach? That situation is exhibit A to what we've been dealing with all season long, and enough's enough. You cannot dive into a guy's legs in a big-time game like that and there be a no-call. It's ridiculous, and we're tired of it. We just want a fair game called, period. And I got nothing else to say. We want a fair game, and that was not fair. I'm done. Okay, um, finally showed emotion. Everyone's celebrating, giving him a round of applause for being three months late to the party of we're standing up for our players now because all season long, the Pistons haven't been getting calls. But that missed call, granted, it was a missed call. Asar Thompson got tackled. Legion of Boom style. Got laid out. But that's not why the Pistons lost the game. And I, I think everyone is so caught up on the fact that there was a missed call. I think everyone is just in desperate search for a win, so much so that they're willing to close their eyes as to everything else the Pistons did wrong yesterday. And they do a lot of things wrong. But I'm telling you right now, after that call, after that egregious mistake was made, it was the ultimate ball-don't-lie moment. The Pistons didn't get one opportunity to win the game after that. They got two. They intentionally fouled the Knicks, uh, not Evan Fournier, Josh Hart goes to the free throw line, and he misses. Now, what typically happens when someone misses a free throw is the other team reaches up with two uh, two hands, grabs the basketball, and that's what you would call a rebound. However, the Pistons failed to do that. So they have to intentionally foul once again, and once again, Josh Hart goes to the free throw line. Does Josh Hart make this free throw? No. Do the Pistons go up, use both hands, wrap their hands around the basketball, and hold on to possession of it? Also, no. You failed to come up with the rebound, not once, but twice, to give yourself an opportunity to win that game. But Monty Williams, I mean, he doesn't even give the media an opportunity to ask that question before he blames the officials, blames everyone else. He's about to get fined five. Ten, fifteen thousand dollars. I think he's just doing that to get all the pressure off of him to spin it towards the refs are the reason they lost the game. And don't get me wrong, egregious call. All right, the NBA basically within five minutes of the game ending came out and made a statement and said yes, that was the incorrect call. But no one in their right mind is asking the right questions. Why is nobody asking Monty Williams why we couldn't come up with the rebound there? This is the Pistons after all. This isn't. The Warriors with a ton of pedigree. This isn't the New York Knicks. This isn't some team that 
night after night. Does, it doesn't get screwed by the referees, but they're dealing with nonsense. No, the Pistons create their own nonsense. They can't get out of their own way. So why we've earned the benefit of the doubt to say the Pistons would have won last night's game. By the way, the Pistons have eight wins on the season. The Lions had 12 in the regular season. Why we as a Pistons fan base think we have permission, think we have the audacity to bitch and moan about the officials, even if you're Monty Williams, the fact that you're out here complaining about the officials when you yourself have made countless number of mistakes, can't get out of your own way, including grabbing the ball with two hands. Doesn't seem like that hard of a concept, but the Pistons make it seem impossible. Every game with under 30 seconds left, under a minute left, when they need to pull something out of their hats, they crap their pants. Every single time. They trip over their own feet, they shoot themselves in the foot, and that's how they lose. Yesterday was no exception, but Monty Williams, of course, just pins it on the officials. The players, even, pin it on the officials. Why is everyone blaming everyone else but the person in the mirror? Why is everyone not looking at Monty Williams or this team saying, you didn't execute? You didn't execute down the stretch. But we can blame the officials because, you know, we've earned the reputation of a good enough basketball team to think when we don't win, it's because of the officials. Are you kidding me? To help me make sense of this, John. No, you're, you're making all, all salient points, and there's plenty the Knicks could have done in that game to distance themselves from the Pistons. And like you said, turnovers, more made shots. Pistons could have played better. But the context of that game, I think, is where the frustration for Monty Williams and Pistons fans should be. Remember, this game was supposed to be in Detroit. It got moved to New York because of a scheduling conflict due to a Fugazi in-season tournament. Fugazi. That's going to be next year, the NBA Cup, presented by Emirates. That's the reason this game wasn't in Detroit. So you're already screwed there. You're out of a home game. This game that should have been at home is on the road right. in a tough place to play in Madison Square Garden. That's right. step it, number it one. I, because if it was at home, it would have given the Pistons a much better opportunity to win. You are you're correct. Already right. go, you're right. already going in with that chip on your shoulder, and it's already ridiculous. And then the league that did this can't make a crucial call at the tail end of the game. I watched it, and I watched uh, the New York stream of it, so I heard Mike Breen, who calls the NBA Finals great play-by-play guy. He took a moment— and then just said loose ball because he didn't know what the heck happened to jar that ball loose because it was so egregious and just not a basketball play. Uh, Asar Thompson got speared. There you go. That's what happened. Roman Reigns speared through the guts. You're right. He should have said spear and then bang, but he didn't. (laughs) But that like, so to me, I understand the outrage. Again, you can go back to every uh, play in the second quarter, a play in the third quarter, but basketball, especially this time of the year, comes down to those final two minutes. And when you get rooked, the way the Pistons did, you're going to complain. But John, now, the, I agree the basketball you. gods already came in and played chess here. Bill Russell's up in heaven making sure the Pistons got two extra opportunities to win the game. And you didn't. I you not it. only don't get a good shot, you don't even get a shot off because you can't grab a rebound off a free throw. You had opportunities to win the game afterward. Of course you did. It's not like you're sitting here, you get screwed by the officials, Game over. That's not what happened, but that's what everyone's making it out to be. That's what Monty Williams sure made it out to be. Because well, God forbid anyone blame him for his team not being able to execute down the stretch. God, 
God forbid anyone blame Jalen Duran or Cade Cunningham in this game. No, 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 no. They were perfect. They are, are angels. You couldn't grab a rebound. It's that simple. You grab a rebound, you call a timeout, you got an opportunity to win the game. Not only could you not do that once, but you couldn't do it on two separate occasions. From the point of view of Monty, though, this was a perfect storm to motivate your guys and maybe get the fan base back on board. But you mentioned it off the top, well too late. You're 57 games into the season. No kidding. It's, it's too late. That This should have came way earlier. Frustration, and if you want to lash out at the, at the media or whatever and not have a press conference... Fine. Do it one night. Get your fine. Do it way earlier than this. Yeah, maybe when How? you're on your game 14 of your 28-game losing streak in December. Like I, I can't speak for inside the head of Monty Williams by any means, but I don't uh, know. I'll How? tell you what's going on. <laughs> crickets? We don't have a cricket sound. We don't. Uh, shh. Silence. That's what's going on in Monty but, Williams' head. Nothing. I mean, that should be the the minute that we heard and the frustration. That should be every morning when he wakes up and looks at the NBA standings and sees his team eight and forty nine. Mm-hmm. That 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 should be the case. So, and, and that's the worst part of this, Ben, too, because at least the narrative could have been okay. Well, at least it's a loss. It's whatever. This is maybe the wake up call this team needs. It's already you already overslept. It's over. The Season's over. Yeah. You, you wake up now, you, you rattle off the next 10 in a row, it doesn't matter. It's just going to take you out of a, a, a worse draft position. It's see, over. See, right when everyone was on board with, oh, okay, this is 100% on Monty Williams. No longer is it Troy Weaver's putting together a bad team. No longer is it Tom Gore's AFK doesn't actually exist. This was apparent it was a Monty Williams problem. John, we went to the game on Saturday together, another game in which the Pistons lost. Because I was there. Because you were there. But what 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 is the most mind-blowing part about going to these games and watching the rotations? It's the all-bench lineup at the beginning of the first quarter and the end of the fourth quarter. It's suicide. You go out there and you just blow the lead away. That's Monty Williams. And just as everyone's on board with, yeah, I don't even think he's going to make it through this year, that's when he has to save his ass, go in front of a podium, and defend his players to try to earn brownie points with this city. We're done with you, man. It's way too late to save your ass. That's what he tried to do. <laughs> did you see well the, too late. Did you see the video of uh, Cade and Monty during a timeout? Cade is screaming at him, like yelling, trying to get his attention. And Monty just in a different, on Mars, in his own, just gone. Pays no attention to Cunningham. It doesn't make sense. Finally stood up for his players for what? For what, John? It doesn't make sense. 989-837-6125. I, I don't even know what to ask the people because everyone's going to be upset and think the Pistons should have won the game. All seven Pistons fans that live in the Great, Bay, Great Lakes Bay region. Everyone thinks the Pistons should have won last night. Is, it, is no one going to bring up the fact that Asar Thompson is like a 60% free throw shooter? He's your boy. Like that's the, you love Asar. Favorite player in the league. Cannot shoot. <laughs> Cannot hit the backside of a barn. So why are we going to assume? <laughs> so why are we going to assume he even would have made the free throws? Because we all know Jalen Brunson's clutch down the stretch. It's not like it's not like like I saw someone compare it to the Lions game when they got screwed by Dallas. The difference between the Lions game and the Pistons game is that the Lions had an opportunity to execute and they accomplished that. They did execute and scored a two point conversion, Taylor Decker style. You know. 
The refs called that back, took that away. The Pistons had an opportunity to execute after that bad call and tripped on their own face. Face plant. And it was over. 989-837-6125. I think the Pistons fans are confused. They're They're a confused bunch. We don't understand what's going on. We think, you know the definition of insane? Give it to me. It, what is it? it? You expect the same, you you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. That's me every single time I tell myself, no, you know what? I'm not watching this team anymore. And then seven o'clock rolls around on a Wednesday night and guess what happens? I end up in front of the TV thinking they're going to win. Well, you have an addiction to them. <laughs> not a good one. <laughs> not a good one. They're like, you are. They're like, a, they're like a narcotic. Whereas the Red Wings... You know, the Red Wings are like like nicotine. It's like, both really like, bad, Ben, well, but keep going. Well, like slightly better. Like, you know, yeah, nice no, little buzz better. going. There's nothing good about the Pistons. The Red Wings, I mean, I've been thinking about them all day. They go at 7 o'clock tonight. Show ends. We're going right into the wings. And if they lose, it is your fault. Thanks. 989-837-6125. Brad Holmes' approach to the offseason coming up plus... Uh, We've got a little game to play with a couple available free agents towards the end of the show. That's all on the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. What an electric ad that was. Uh, All right, here we go. I figured out what to ask the people. I figured out my one wish in life, John. If I could make, you know, if if I had a lamp and I could rub it and a genie comes out and says, you get one wish. I would wish that I could talk to Monty Williams face-to-face, in person, directly last night after the Pistons game, after they lost, after he had just said that to the media. I wish I could have talked to him. You know what I would have asked him? Why is Jaden Ivey playing 24 minutes and didn't come on the court once in the fourth quarter? I wouldn't have cared about the officials. I wouldn't have cared about the missed call call that supposedly ruined you the game, cost you everything, because there's a simple solution. You play your five best players in the fourth quarter of a game, which is something he not only refuses to do, but downright makes an emphasis to bench Jaden Ivey and make sure he knows, like, the mistreatment on this kid is ridiculous. Okay, we finally get rid of Killian Hayes, thank God. And you think to yourself, well, Jaden Ivey, Jaden Ivey's finally going to play. And by the way, Killian Hayes still hasn't found a home. Yet he was playing and starting and finishing games over Jaden Ivey. And yesterday, to close the game, who's in instead of Jaden Ivey? It's your boy, Evan Fournier. Why? Couldn't yeah. tell you. Why is Malachi, fly in the game, Malachi Flynn in the game instead of Jaden Ivey? Again, no idea. It doesn't make sense. Veterans, 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 le- veteran leadership, you know, from he, Evan Fournier. He played 24 minutes My and guy. didn't come into the game in the fourth quarter. Ivy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the player you're trying to build around, right? So why are you burying this guy on the bench? Someone please explain it to me, 989-837-6125, because I can't make sense of it. It's the same thing over and over again. But last night was egregious. It... it, it I can't think of one good reason, John. I fear what I would have done to Monty Williams last night if I actually did get to, you know, go face to face with him. Uh, he didn't get to go face to face with anyone. He had a, his minute rant and I, left. Right? I know he got out of there quickly before any anyone could actually ask him a question about the the basketball game, 
and his coaching decisions because if he would have to if he would have had to answer some of those, a he would have lied to us straight to our face. He would have told us one thing and then did the exact same the exact opposite in the next game. Like when he says, "Yeah, we're going to settle down on ten man rotation," and then you just play twelve guys the next day. <laughs> I, I can't make sense of anything that this guy does. And if he's still a Pistons coach next year, I might have to go in the transfer portal. Oh, wow. I might have to ride the Knicks out with you. I, I can't do, do this it, anymore. Man. This Welcome. is the worst run organization I've, I've ever laid my eyes on. I'll tell you, though, I think the Giants and Jets should look to no. maybe get a Nick what? after that tackle last night. Oh, you want you? They could need all the help. That was, that was as good of a linebacker tackle as I've seen from any New York team in the last three years. It, it was perfect form. You it square was. up the shoulders, head up. It was. And you just boom. Right to the gut. Asar Thompson, poor dude. Yeah, uh, all right, let's 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 transition from the Pistons because uh, I think we're, I think we're down to <laughs> I think we're down to four local Pistons fans, and two of them are are me and Brad. Bet. Uh, let's do something that the people are a little bit more interested. Brad Holmes, he went on ninety-seven won the ticket in Detroit a couple of days ago and made some interesting remarks regarding the off season. Now I listen to this and I'm thinking to myself. That, that makes perfect sense. Why does every other team not have this strategy? Why do fans not understand this strategy in a more ideal situation? Because everybody's looking at the Lions right now, thinking we need to draft a corner, we need to draft an edge, we need to draft a defensive tackle. Those are positions of need, they call it. Brad Holmes said, to hell with the position of needs. That's not what the draft is for. The draft is for acquiring high-end talent. The draft is for getting the best players, the best characters you can on your team. Doesn't matter what position they are. Whereas free agency, okay, that's when you fill some of the holes on your roster. That's when you look to where you can start to improve your quote-unquote positions of needs. Whereas the draft... You're just trying to find the best guys. Did the Pistons, I'm sorry, did the Lions need to draft Sam Laporta last year? Absolutely not. Do they regret that decision? Nope. Did they need to draft Jameer Gibbs last year? Nope. In fact, they got a lot of backlash for it because you had, you had, uh, what's his, what's his face? Swift on your team prior to that. You also had David Montgomery. So why would you draft a running back? Because he's a high-end player. Why does no one else have this ideology when you go into the offseason? Why are fans so obsessed with filling the need when, as Brad Holmes lays this out pretty simple, John? Free agency, that's for filling the holes on your roster. The draft, it's for acquiring high-end talent. Because if we have a repeat of last year where you get to a big stage and your secondary poops its pants again, you're going to want secondary players. But that's, if what, you don't that's draft what free them, agency is for. He's not saying we're not going to draft a corner necessarily. He's just saying we're, we're looking to add the best guys. Which is fair. We're but you're not at, drafting a quarterback. No, if they the number you're one not overall drafting pick, a quarterback, you're going to do the responsible thing and trade back. Or unless you're the Chicago Bears and, you, you know, different have situation. Have some fun this offseason. Right, we're going to play the, play the little fiddle here. Uh... What that tells me, his ideology and how he approaches the offseason, a lot of people would hear that and think, well, does that mean he's going to take the best available player every time, every single time? 
I don't yes. I don't necessarily think that. So you do think that. That's what that tells you. Then he's lying. If it's not the best available player and say it's like, okay, uh, I don't know, a receiver is one step or one position above a corner. Like in terms of positional need? Just in terms of how about this? Best players available. He's got a receiver one, a DB two. Mm-hmm. He drafts the DB in that spot. But you just said the receiver's above. I did. So, so that's what I'm saying. Is he, you said if he drafts based on position or based on best available? Well, I I hear something different. I hear expect like, to take an offensive lineman. Okay, with the with the 29th like, but, overall. But you pick. get what I'm saying, right? Like where, and also too, it, it, not that it's sort of a cop out statement by any means, but you're developing your best available player list with the first priority being your needs. You're not going to put, and maybe he does, and maybe I'm wrong, he's not going to put, all right, I'm ranking from 1 to whatever, 800, the players that are available to be taken in this year's draft. Caleb Williams won, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he is, and then just looking off that sheet, which is fine. But like we mentioned, he's going to go with his positional needs when looking at that board. I think he's just trying right? to take, like that's that that's my point, which I think every team in the NFL does take positional needs in the draft. Look at their best available, and then whichever ones ranked right. highest as a positional but that, need. That's they not pick. even what he did last year. We didn't running back wasn't even close to one of the highest things no. on the positional so needs, but they I'm targeted saying. the best available player. So well, that's so if he does that this year, I'm just saying then if he drafts a running back again, then that's what he does. But I, I'm just saying I, it, it, do, it does it does depend because you can never have, an, uh, I guess, enough running backs. But like I mentioned, they're not going to draft a quarterback, obviously. I hear this. I, I, I see his ideology. And to be honest, it makes me expect to draft an offensive lineman with the 29th overall pick. Now, I, I said last week, Zach Frazier, that's the dude to keep your eyes on. West Virginia interior offensive lineman. In my head, you'd sign Graham Glasgow back, let Jonah Jackson walk, you draft the best interior offensive lineman in the NFL. Is it a positional need? Not necessarily. But if you let Jonah Jackson walk, you plug in the best interior offensive line in this year's draft next to Frank Ragnow, Panay Sewell, Taylor Decker, and Graham Glasgow, well, then you have the best offensive line in the NFL still. You have a day one talent. You got younger, and it's saving you money. That's what I hear from the Brad Holmes audio. That he's going to take the best available guy. And if you can take the best interior offensive lineman where this team's built, where their strengths are, and you can add on to that strength by letting Jonah Jackson walk, who's going to get overpaid somewhere, play nine games for a team, that seems like a no-brainer decision. You still have the best offensive line. You got a guy on a rookie deal for four years. So what I would be doing. Is it a positional need? No. But that fits the Brad Holmes motto, right? Correct? I think it does. You could go. I mean, there's everyone's trying to mock a DB with that 29th overall pick. Because that's what they need. But they can address that in free agency is his whole point. Don't get me like I when I I do the mock drafts, I have one. I, I, I have a corner being drafted, but not to like the fourth round. But when we talk about Brad Holmes and you talk about him and his great draft ability, so much so that when we were at the deadline, 
you were like, I'd rather store the picks and address that rather than make a trade for some you know player that's only going to be with us this postseason and then not sign back. You want to build through the draft because he just did that. Right, like we he mentioned has, he has one of the best eyes for talent as a scouter, as a GM in all the NFL. He can land a corner in the fourth round, and I think we're going to be able to. It doesn't have to be one of these guys that everyone's mocking in the first round. It doesn't That's have fine. to be Kool Aid McKinstry. That's fine, but it has to be somebody. That's the point. Yes, but so, but you and you want it. You, can, you want it. Uh, uh, like if you're thinking in the ideal situation, you rather the stud be in the draft rather than in free agency. Yeah, but like I'm, if, I'm if saying, we're talking preference wise, it might not that right. might not be the reality of the situation. But ideally, if he could find a ready to go NFL starter that's an offensive back and draft him, he should go do that then sign a free agent. Right, but everyone's saying it For has to be a corner with the 29th pick because those no, are the best I mean, available corners. But if just Brad off, Holmes has just as good as an eye for talent in the fourth round as he does. In the first round, well, why can't that corner be in the in the fourth round? Because everyone's going to be upset. He's going to get a bad draft grade. We're going to say we should have drafted a corner early. When look what happened with Amon Ross St. Brown, fourth round pick, needed a receiver that round or that year, waited, and it paid off. He's not going to steal the headlines in April if he doesn't draft a corner in the first two or three rounds of the draft. If you don't come away with a corner in the first two days, which is dra- uh, rounds one, two, and three. Well then you're you're getting killed by the media. We're you're going to be sitting here telling Brad Holmes he should have drafted a corner by now when in reality he takes one in the 4th round, he can plug in and play right away because Brad Holmes has an eye for talent. What's the problem? There is none. So in in my mind, if you're taking best available offensive line, you can get the best one in the draft at 29. There there's you can a, wait yeah. on a corner. Like all these corners some of them might not be available at 29 and some of the characters, some of the guys that are available at 29, they just might not like, they might not have as high as some other guys that they think they can get in later rounds. There's a difference between being like cutesy and then drafting, or I should say there's a difference between being cutesy and then just your full trust. Like in my opinion, you fully trust Holmes to do whatever he wants to do. Which is fine because, again, like we mentioned, his track record is pretty damn great. And last year's draft was spectacular. I just don't want the narrative to be, oh, he could draft anyone at any time, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, do your valuations. And most teams have first-round talent as first-round talent because they're really good players. If you think there's a fifth-round talent that's being, you know, categorized as such by every other team in the NFL and you think this guy's, you know, second round or first round talent, okay. I'm on Ross St. Brown. That's that's fine. Again, but draft what is again the best available, but people are going to be defensive if they don't draft a defensive back because that's the need right now. You don't want to come out of this draft with, wow, another great slot receiver that adds immediately, even if he does. Nobody's interior lineman. Whatever, another linebacker, blah, blah, blah. If they don't address address the secondary and Jordan Love carves them up for 450 yards the first time they play the Packers, people are going to be pissed. 989-837-6125. We'll get to your guys' thoughts on the Frick Sports Bar text line in just a minute. 
6125. You're listening to The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. The Payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. 989-837-6125. It's the number to the Frick Sports Bar text line. Let's get a few more people's thoughts on this one. Uh, Brad Holmes' approach to the offseason. The draft, that's where you acquire talent. Free agency, that's where you plug in holes on your roster. So don't expect to necessarily add a corner in the first round. Don't expect for the Lions to go splurge on an edge just because they need it. I mean, Brad Holmes can find talent later on in the draft. It's not like we're sitting here thinking to ourselves, well, Brad Holmes has botched a ton of these drafts before. He has to go after the top-end players at the certain position. That's not necessarily the case. If you think you've got a guy in the fourth round to fill your cornerback position, well, then don't force yourself to take guy in the first round. John, on the other hand, kind of thinks the opposite. It's just using common sense. They're not going to draft a quarterback if Caleb Williams is still on the board. Well, it's such right? a bad example. Why is that a bad example? Because man? That's, they have it, the it's franchise. Just, a quarterback is such a unique position. Okay, so what's another one? Like, like that, maybe that's the better way of phrasing this. What is when you're looking at the best talent, the undraftable positions for the Lions? Like you're going to be pissed off, obviously. None. Okay, so you would draft a quarterback then. No, besides quarterback. Round. Besides quarterback. But you no. would draft one in the third. No, because you did that last season. So why not do it again? Only, if it, because so, quarterback's like one of the only, so you, only so, positions where you can, you you need two. So and the Lions have two of them. And mm-hmm. Brad Holmes, or it was Dan Campbell, even said earlier today, Hendon Hooker's making great strides in his offseason growth, whatever that means. They're not going to, stop using quarterback as an example. So then this should be, he drafts on best talent, asterisks, quarterback sure okay but you would be happy with him drafting another receiver yes running back. i mocked his run i mocked a receiver last week running, johnny wilson running back no okay so the asterisk in, running unless, back too man. unless because they have two of them unless it's a, like a seventh round running back because craig reynolds is leaving yeah i won't be mad about it okay so but, it depends on, on that's what i'm saying like last year people were pissed because when he drafted Gibbs because they thought, well, this Lions team already has the running back room where it needs to be. They have Swift and they have Montgomery. But they didn't realize that the plan wasn't fully orchestrated. Right. That could be the same with Holmes here. With, he drafts, uh, with a he, running back? I'm not saying specifically with, the, or, uh, you know, specifically with the running back, but he may draft at a position where you feel you have a multitude of talent where you are just fully loaded, where you're almost fully stocked, but then someone is out the door that you didn't expect because that's exactly what happened at the running back position last year. Josh Reynolds, for example, he walks away, goes towards free agency, seeks money elsewhere. All of a sudden, you're in desperate need of a receiver. So a receiver does become someone that you could potentially draft. That's why I mocked Johnny Wilson to the Lions last week. You have to fill that role at some point. 989-837- 6125, let's get some other people's views on this. Jeremy from Beaverton chiming in. Doubting Holmes again. He didn't text once, maybe once or twice when you were gone, John. I think he, I think he loves you. He's only texting because you're here. Makes sense. Uh, doubting Holmes again. Why? You guys overthink this. Let him cook. Is he coming at me or are you there? I don't know. We never knocked him. I'm just knocking the philosophy. I, I just think it's a Not that it's a lie. It's just it can't be a wholehearted truth. Oh, I draft only on best talent. No, 
You you do you do but have that, the positions that in the back of your head. That is what he's done, though. But it doesn't make sense in terms of certain positions. He's not going to draft a running back in the first round. Yes, you are correct. Okay, like okay, like the, outside of quarterback and literal. running back, you're right. Yes. Okay. So then, so then it's not a rule. Then he's lying. Then he's a liar. No, then, because there, then that's there's what he did. Ex- he, he there's said, exceptions. This is, my, this is my strategy, and then it has exceptions. So then it's not a rule. If there's no one said it was a rule. rule. He said that's just how he approaches the offseason. Said that's he don't he basically said so then if free he drafts, agencies for yeah. adding holes okay the draft is for acquiring talent Great. we are not going to specifically what's the okay for example what's the Lions' biggest free agency need would you say a corner I well, think no, another no, no, pass no, rusher hole, hole in the roster what's what do we need secondary. the most okay secondary yeah, in my opinion what Brad Holmes is saying here mm-hmm. is. Just because that's our biggest need doesn't mean that's who we're going to take with our first pick, wherever that ends up being. Okay. You have a problem with that? No, I'll say that he just said nothing to me then. What he said is nothingness. It's not, it's not anything. If it's not, a, if, if, oh, I, I'm, it's we, when we approach the draft, it's talent and then not take whoever's the most talented player when you have that pick, then it's a nothing statement. Because if the most talented player in your point of view, is a quarterback, like you said, they're obviously not going to take it. Like, let, let's do it with your boy here. They have, you know, Lions have a pick in the late 20s. J.J. McCarthy's still on the board. They're not he going to be. pick him. Okay, but, okay, so then maybe a different example. He's but, going top 12. <laughs> I forgot, McCarthy's going one overall. But they're not going to draft him. So then, even if they feel he's higher on their talent list, on their scouting reports but you keep he's not going to be drafted because then it's a nothing rule it's a nothing statement if he says oh we we draft on talent and then doesn't do it then it's a lie or again it's common sense reasoning it's we draft maybe not all right we need a corner in the first round and we're beholden to that but we're going to get something that makes sense which is every single team's approach no it's not because yes, it is. no it it's is every not. year because there's teams out there that I, I know have this approach that go into the draft thinking what's our biggest need that's what we're taking in the first round no matter what we're taking best available corner in this situation or edge in this situation whereas how big of a need is offensive guard uh, it's a few rungs down the ladder but don't if the lions see that the the best available talent is at that position don't be surprised when they take it. That's all That's all he's saying. I don't understand why you have such a, a big problem with Because it's a this. nothing statement. It, no, it doesn't, it doesn't move the needle for me. It's him saying an obvious thing. Oh, you know what? When I look at the draft board, I say, who are really good guys? And I say, wow, those guys are really good. I'm going to go take them. That's what he said, right? I, I mean, thanks. You know, here's another one for you, Ben. Uh, you know, oh, when I go out to the bars... I'm looking oh for someone attractive. Oh, really? <laughs> no. No way, no way, Brad. No. <laughs> I'm just looking to have uh, a good time. Yeah. Maybe maybe some people are you know filling needs, but I I don't I don't I don't understand. It, it's a nothing statement. And he's trying to and this is the thing where I mentioned cutesy earlier and you trust him, which is fine. And I trust him too. I said and I, I had the audio to play it for you when we discussed this maybe a month ago. When we were under our previous affiliation, I had a hot take every week, and I said, it's still too early to draft Gibbs. They could have gotten him later in the draft, but I like the pick. That's what I said, right? Right. I'm I'm an advocate for this guy. I wish he was the GM of the Giants, but 
I'm not gonna. Are you just uh, are you just lashing out because you're jealous no, of our I'm, football team? I'm, I am, and I'm not gonna worship <laughs> every word he says or be like, oh my goodness, he's doing what everyone else intends to do. He just does it better than most. Uh, 989-837-6125. Another text rolling in. It's getting Hutchinson help. There's no, there's no context behind it. That's the number that one the need in his need? opinion, which I, I stated too, that they need a pass rusher, another pass rusher. But that like that would be, in my opinion, what they should value with that first round pick, if we're being honest. Because like you said, I think that their secondary talent, like you want to get another elite pass rusher <clears throat> if you feel that talent's there in the well, first round. Here's here's the this dirty little secret that nobody wants to fails to realize. The Lions need another interior guy just as bad as they need sure. another guy on the edge. Sure. The Lions need another run stopper because Benito Jones is gone. Uh, do you trust Levi Wunzarike to be your, your backup nose tackle? No. You want Broderick Martin in there? Don't know. He played like 15 snaps last year. You need someone in the middle just as bad to stop the run because that's what you are great at. And if the Lions take someone at that position who's an elite run stopper within the first couple rounds of the draft, I don't want everyone to be shocked because it's not their biggest quote-unquote need. But it's someone who can help improve the roster as something they were really good at last year and you don't want to fall off from. Same thing with the offensive line. You were the best O-line in football last year. You don't want to fall off from that, so we're going to double down and take Zach's... uh, Zach Frazier with the 29th pick. So we're going to take Tavondre Smith at defensive tackle so we don't fall off from being the second-best rush-stopping team in the NFL last season. That's his mindset. It's not necessarily they have to grab a corner or an edge. They're buzzwords at this point. Edge. Spear. <laughs> so cool, cool McKinstry is coming to the lines is what I learned for this whole conversation. Cool. His name is Kool-Aid McKinstry. Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Sorry. Um, there is there is something Out of interesting Alabama. about Kool-Aid McKinstry though. So the Lions have taken in back-to-back drafts the player who wore number one at Alabama, Jamison Williams, and then Jameer Gibbs. Wow. Kool-Aid McKinstry wore number one for Alabama this season. But he has just completely fallen off draft boards. This was like the top corner before the college football season started. And now we're looking at him like he's got someone else on his team that's going to get drafted ahead of him. Like Taron Arnold, I think, the other corner from Alabama. That guy's getting drafted ahead of ahead of McKinstry. There's like five guys now that are getting drafted ahead of him. McKinstry's not, a, not a culture, it. Not a culture guy, you know? Mm. So they say. C.J. Garner-Johnson was, though, when they brought him in. Um, <laughs> when Brad Holmes good, was like, let's player. get him in free agency. Well, the, prob- the problem with McKinstry was he didn't get better this year. And I think people are questioning his willingness to get better. Now, we're going to overanalyze all these guys yeah, and be wrong for them. half the time. Yeah, but that that's just the narrative going in. 989-837-6125. Uh, coming up, we've got a list of the potential Lions free agents since we're on the topic. I want to know your thoughts on whether or not Brad Holmes wants these guys back or not. That's next on The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Back to The Payoff on the Great Lakes Bay Region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. All right, here's what we're going to do. The Lions have a list of free agents. Some of them I think Brad Holmes wants back. Some of them I think he's going to let walk. Some of them might want back but might be able to take more money elsewhere. I've got the list of free agents. I'm going to start reading them. John, you tell me when 
you think you disagree, when you think I'm wrong on something, okay? That you want him back or that Brad Holmes wants him back? This is what I would do if I was Brad Holmes. Cool. First free agent, uh, let's go with the keeps. The guys I want to keep. Sure. Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I know did absolutely nothing for the <laughs> Lions besides looks like he looked like he ran with the piano on his back when he was returning punts. But if Josh Reynolds ends up leaving, DPJ can come in as your wide receiver 4 or 5. He'll be extreme. He'll cost nothing next year because of how bad he was with the Lions. You can get him back for whatever the vet minimum is. And he can be your fifth option. He can be your fourth. Your fourth. He can be the Khalif Raymond of your outside spot. You, do, you agree or disagree? I agree. He had good games with Jacoby Brissett back in Cleveland. I think the Lions could make him a good player. Okay. Again. How about Graham Glasgow? I think this is a no doubt number one priority. Bring him back. You have to retain the offensive line. You have to make sure that you still have the best offensive line in football. Graham Glasgow, versatile, can play center, can play guard. This is my number one off-season priority if I'm Brad Holmes. Bet! Bring him back. So you're in. Bet! Thank you. Uh, this this is an interesting one. Emmanuel Mosley, who played three snaps with the Lions this year before re-tearing his ACL. Tough. I'm going to Actually, I think he tore the other ACL. So he's had two ACLs on two different, knee, on two different knees over the past couple of seasons. Same reason with the DPJ stuff. I'm willing to bring him back because it's it's going to cost nothing. No one's going to be able to be willing to pay this guy any real money elsewhere. If the Lions like what he brings from a character standpoint, why not bring him back and just kind of throw him a bone, see what you have? Nothing guaranteed. Worst case, you cut him and it costs you nothing. Yeah, an invite to camp. That's exactly what it is, an invite to camp, if he's even healthy. Uh, and then the last one, which I've kind of done a 180 on, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Oh, no. Here we go. I want to keep him. Oh, my goodness. Are you other, kidding other, me? Otherwise, you got to bring in a new safety. You got to either sign one or draft one, which I'm not opposed to doing. But C.J. Gardner-Johnson played four games for the Lions this year, five, including the playoffs. He wasn't a standout player. I don't think he's going to cost very much. He made $6 million on a one-year contract last season. That's going to get cheaper. There's no way someone's willing to pay him more than that based on last year. So why not bring him back? He's higher upside than he played with. If you need someone to wave during the second quarter, I'd bring him back. <laughs> but I think they could find someone else. Uh, you know what? I'll be waving to you in the second quarter when you somehow ruin the Lions game. Just like you ruin the Red Wings season. You ruin wow. the Lions season. They win tonight, man. I, I sure hope so. We got the pregame on right now. Uh, taking on Capitals, who's chasing them in the standings right now. The guys I'm letting walk are Jonah Jackson and Benito Jones. I have no business in Jonah Jackson coming back. He's gonna Listen, when he's healthy, he's great. He's rarely healthy. He's going to want more money than he's actually worth just to play 10 games. I'm good on Jonah Jackson if we can draft an offensive lineman in the first round. Agree or disagree? Oh, so now you want an O-line in the first round. That's what I've been saying. I've never wavered and from And that, that becomes a need if you don't sign Jackson back. I've never... But I don't I don't want to sign Jackson back. That's okay. the point. If I'm Brad Holmes, I'm letting him walk. Bye. Have fun paying him $50 million over the next four seasons for him to play 10 games a year. You just have to have trust, and you do, and that's the reasoning why you're putting your uh, decision here and letting him go. That's the fact that you trust Holmes to get someone of equal talent. He's a good player. Great player. Alabama, too, by the way. But 
I, I don't know. I, I, I'm okay with agreeing with you here of getting someone because I think Brad Holmes could do so, but it's probably the hardest of the departures. Uh, Benito Jones. Bye-bye. Eh. Yeah. Man. Oh, Benito. Uh, and the only guy that's Benito, in this category Benito. of keep, um, I, I want to keep Josh Reynolds. I do. But I'm not going to be like heartbroken if some other team's like, hey, here's a bag to be our wide receiver too. He leaves. J-Mo gets more of a role. You draft another receiver, Johnny Wilson, 6'7". <coughs> <coughs> Mike Evans, draft him, and all of a sudden you're good. You're, you're reloaded at the wide receiver position. Well, if you're keeping DPJ, it makes more sense to get rid of Reynolds. Yeah, that's, that's also very true. Uh, okay, that's that. Uh, let's make some money before Bet. we go. Thanks. Lock of the day. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, Johnny, I'll let you go first on this one. I already know what you're going to do. You're going to ruin the Red Wings season. <laughs> They're on this hot win streak. You come back to town, and I know what's going to happen. You bring bad voodoo back every time you leave to go somewhere. Yeah, I'm sorry, but we, we, we teased it. I have to. I have to try and break this curse. I got to put Red Wings money line as my lock. If you want to add, because this what? is what I'm adding. What? Uh, finish. Red Wings money line is my lock. You can add as well, just because he's on this insane point streak. Patrick Kane over a half a point. Both of those combined are minus odds, minus 170 or minus 180, depending where you look for the Red Wings money line. And then the same thing for Kane. So I combine the two so you get at least plus odds. And that's my lock. Okay. Ooh, John, John took a minus 176 well, you, lock. I, I said I'm going to bet the Red Wings. You, this was the thing. I'm putting it. I will break the curse tonight. The Red Wings will win. All right. Because you said they're going for, to lose because of me. For my lock, I'm going to bet Golden State minus uh, money line minus 10. Well, what do you want me to pick? That's what, that's what we talked about. Picking the money. I'm not going to pick them on the spread. You want me to pick Golden State minus five ninety on the on the money line for my no, lock? No, I feel pretty that's confident different. about that's it. That's different, and that's why I gave you the combination because I knew you'd say something. But you literally said, "Oh, you have to." We basically said, "Oh, you're not going to the Red Wings aren't going to win." So that's why I said, "All right, Red Wings money line." I'll and hockey line, it's still want to hear me do something like even crazier. Where the outcomes are already determined. Want to see me do something even crazier? Oh no! Here's my lock of the day. Here we go. Piston spread. There you go. Who, who, Plus they, 11 in Chicago. They're coming out with vengeance. They play tonight. at night too? Yeah. Jeez. They're coming out with vengeance. Evan Fournier over 10 or what? No. No, <laughs> John. He shouldn't play more than 10 minutes a game. One day we'll I learn. I say he should. One day we'll learn. All right, everyone. That was the payoff. We're off tomorrow. John's got a doubleheader high school hoops. Plug in who, you're, who, who the games are again. Sure. It's uh, Garber versus Arthur Hill, followed by Freeland against John Glenn. John Glenn, the host school. We'll be back on Thursday. That was the payoff. Hope it was worth it. From the Blazy Electric Studios, this is Sports Radio 100.9 The Mitt, WLUN, Pinconning Bay City, Saginaw Midland.